Welcome to the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy Session, where we talk about all things guitar related. My name is Dr. T, and I am not a licensed therapist, but I play one on a podcast. Today on the Tweed Couch, we are counseling on LifeFest Wisconsin 2021. Back in July of 2000, I went to a festival in Wisconsin with a band named Echelon. I still remember watching bands like Audio Adrenaline, Third Day, Reliant K, and the OC Supertones. It was so much fun. From 2004 to 2008, I started going with my own band named Second Adam, where we were known to play anywhere between five and seven shows over the course of a four-day event. A few years later, I became part of the stage management crew, aiding in the organization and implementation of what makes up the many venues, activities, and facets of LifeFest, as well as hopping around from stage to stage, problem-solving for the crew and the bands as needed during the festival. Of course, the real fun is in still being able to play the festival. From grandstand to kid zone and all the places in between, I will usually find myself playing with a multitude of bands using a multitude of instruments. It's tiring, but it's so fulfilling. But what was so special about LifeFest 2021 in Wisconsin? Are there any good stories? How quickly can a stage be set up and ready to go? Did I get to see any good shows? And what perspective did my 13-year-old have as a member of the stage team this year? Well, we will discuss this and more on this group therapy session with Owen on the Tweed Couch. Now, I'm not going to bring in Owen just yet because it is important that we get a little bit of therapy on our own. I want you to understand how cool this festival is that is LifeFest. Now, yes, full disclosure, LifeFest is one of our sponsors for the Tweed Couch, but I would have done that anyway because I love this festival so much. It is the largest Christian music festival in all of the United States. It caters to many different facets many different people, many different bands. And it's wonderful to be a part of such a great organization that not only is true on the outside, but true on the inside. So with all that said, I think we should talk about a few things that happens at a festival that you may not realize from more of the production side rather than just the festival goer side. Like for example, There are many different stages, and all of these different stages need a sound system. So a question I often get asked is, how quickly does a sound system get set up? And the answer I have for you is, it depends on how big the sound system is, and whether or not you actually have a stage already set up. A great example is our cafe stage. It sits under a big tent, And we take these four by eight decks, you know, so basically little pieces of staging, and we put a bunch of them together to make one big stage. Sits up about four feet high. Then we end up putting up all this other stuff. We've got big old screens, and we've got lights, and we've got all that. Actually, Owen probably can tell you a bunch about it. But it's a big stage, and it's got a line array system, so lots of boxes that sit underneath that are speakers, and it's got subs that go across it, and you know, it's a large venue. And that one, that can take anywhere between 
two hours to five hours to set up. And a lot of it has to do with how many people are involved, do they know what they're doing, and is the tent already set up? Because you have to wait till the tent's set up before you can set up the sound system. But then we have other ones like the kids zone stage. Well, that one can get set up in probably about an hour. It's not too bad. It's a couple of speakers on a stick with a couple of subs down below. You do have to set up the stage, which is a little more difficult because it's a stage that was actually donated to Life Promotions a while back. And we are having to repurpose it and kind of change it around. But other than that, you know, you just put some mics on some some stands and you you put up a drum set and get a couple of things mic'd up and that one's actually not too bad there is a video screen actually two video screens and that can take a little bit of time but for the most part that one's not so bad of course we do also have things like the dignity revolution stage and the oasis stage which are really more of speaker stages they're just stages where speakers can go up and talk talk about their things do their things actually there was a podcaster on the oasis at one point lots of cool things can happen at those but those are really just a speaker on a stick with a little tiny soundboard and a couple of mics that takes me usually about 20 minutes to set the whole thing up and make sure that it's running good no big deal We do have the pit stage, which has lots of subs and lots of speakers. It's more of our heavier, smaller band group, which is pretty fun as well. We have an expo stage, which we basically just put out the decking for because, well, which is the stage, because we have the School of Rock in town, which is kind of more of the how to become a rock star type of school. It's pretty cool. I I really enjoy them. They come out and they set up that stage for themselves. We just have to put up a tent and put out the decking. Then throughout the festival, we will put up a speaker on a stick for different things, whether it be uh, speakers at the hospitality area, speakers at the the donor tent, speakers at the uh, the 5K or speakers for yoga. There's actually a yoga that is very Christ-centered at it. It's It's pretty cool. So to answer the question, how long does it take to set up a sound system? The answer is anywhere between 15 minutes and five hours. But of course, that's not counting the other two big stages, which is the edge stage, which is actually a sound system on a semi truck. The semi truck literally opens up. They hang the speakers, they put up the drum risers, and also the grandstand, which is many speakers and many uh, different cables that have to go out to front of house, which is about 50 yards away. You end up having where they're mixing and doing lighting and all that kind of stuff. And then on stage, there's also a monitor world where there's monitors. Plus, they set up a special like seating area for people who want to just like see things on the side of the stage. but They also need to be able to hear things, so they've got stuff set up there, plus all the other like risers and things like that for drums and keyboards and just many different things. So it's its own little thing. So if you exclude grandstand and you exclude edge, then anywhere between 15 minutes and five hours. And once again, that's all based solely on how many people do you have involved? Do they know what they're doing? and how much needs to get set up. Now, sometimes I get the question of, 
what do you actually do at the festival? Because all of that stuff is things that happened before the festival. Well, I am a part of an elite squadron of people who know many different facets of how a festival should run, the things that are needed, what are the things, and how to problem solve. So, in which case, I'm a part of a group, and I'll go ahead and tell you the name, although I'm not going to tell you how we got the name just yet. But I'm part of a group known as the Fluffy White Bunnies. Yeah, I said it. The Fluffy White Bunnies. That is my group. We are elite. We are strong. But anyway, our purpose, our point, what we do is we hop around from stage to stage and we put out little tiny fires. We problem solve. So at the beginning, we're organizing, we're putting everything together, we're trying to make everything the best it can be, but... Sometimes during the festival, there are needs. Maybe a guitar player forgot their quarter inches, guitar cables. Maybe they need a wireless. Maybe somebody punched a hole through the kick drum. Maybe somebody needs an amplifier to move from one stage to the next or some mics to move from one stage to the next. So we do a lot of different things. But this year was something that was also special. And this year, we had to take a stage and move it 180 degrees now fortunately it's not one of the big stages this was oasis now to remind you about oasis this is that one stage that would end up having a number of speakers you know like people talking maybe about their book maybe about their movie that was coming up maybe it was the podcaster which actually public service announcement this is somebody who is talking about how to make money in the music industry. He says you can still do it. You can make money in the music industry. His name is John Martin Keith. I do not know what the name of his podcast is. I know I've listened to it. I have listened to it, but I just don't have it in front of me. Worth mentioning right at this moment, John Martin Keith, how to make money in the music industry. It's worth listening to at least once or twice to see if it's something that you like. But he was at this. There's a lot of different people. And so what we needed to do this time, which is what makes this so interesting on what does a fluffy white bunny do? Well, sometimes you flip a stage around. And so Thursday night, we got done. And the person who was running the stage said, I don't like this. I had to turn people away. We've got people spilling over into the sidewalks, which is not making it very easy for them to get back and forth. And we went, okay, let's move the stage. And so we took the back wall and we put it where the front open area of the tent was. So we just moved the wall from one spot to the open area that was on the front. We turned the table around. We turned the speakers around. We put the soundboard back on the table and wired it all up, moved the chairs, did all that kind of stuff. Took about a half hour and sure enough, we had that tent facing the other way, ready to go and it was actually a great thing because Friday and Saturday we had so many people there that usually in the old venue, max was about 125 people and now we had up to a couple of hundred people at this venue wanting to hear some speaker or 
some person who was doing a podcast or whatever, and it was totally worth it. And that is what we do as stage management. We make sure that the people who come to the festival don't notice that there was ever any problem, and we make sure that we problem solve to the point in which all the concert goers, all the people who come to the festival, they show up and they have the best possible time they can, and they're able to go to the concerts they want to go to, or the shows they want to go to, or the speakers they want to see. And that, that, that's what we do. Now, I could probably go on for a very long time with all the weird things and all the awesome things that happened at LifeFest. 2021 in Wisconsin, but we should probably go ahead and turn this into group therapy where I bring in my 13-year-old cork sniffer and we'll have him talk about some of the stuff that he had and some of the experiences. But first, we need to have a word from our sponsors. If you are looking for a way to help support the Tweed Couch and it costs no money to you, then check out our YouTube channel and become a subscriber. Also, you can tell someone about the podcast and share an episode with them. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. Let's hear from our sponsor. Are you looking for a party with a purpose? If you love music, family-friendly, and camping, then you need to come to LifeFest. In July of 2022, they will have two festivals once again. One at the Sunnyview Fairgrounds in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and the other at the Johnny Cash Hideaway Farm in Bonagua, Tennessee. I'll see you there. Let's hear from another sponsor. Since 2003, the Crestman Guitar Company has been repairing stringed instruments and building custom guitars and basses. In 2021, Kretzman started production of a solid body electric guitar with the goal of providing affordable, awesome looking and sounding guitars that anyone student to expert would be proud to play and own be sure to check them out at kretzmanguitars.com that's k-r-e-t-z-m-a-n-n guitars.com well we're back and it is great to have owen sitting with me on the couch to now talk about his experience at LifeFest Wisconsin. Now, I know that it was great having you there from my perspective, but what do you think? Did you have a good time at LifeFest? I loved it. I love being part of the stage management crew and making sure that 20,000 or more people were having a good time. Absolutely. And that's one of the greatest parts about being a part of the stage management crew is that you know that your job is to do all the things that make everyone else not realize that there was ever a problem. And that's pretty fun. So you were a part of the stage management crew for more of the festival than usual. I mean, a few years ago, I had you come with me. And we did a little bit of the organizing together and a little bit of the setup together and all that kind of stuff. But this year, you had more roles. So how was it? How was it being a part of the stage management crew? I thought it was so fun because we got to do everything everywhere. We are the guys that just do whatever they tell us to do. We don't have to think about it. They just tell us to do it, and we do it. Yeah, there's actually a meme that John, the festival director, puts out every single year, like right at the time of LifeFest Wisconsin. And he says, this still seems appropriate now. 
And he's been putting it out for about seven years. But it's this meme of like something on a squirrel. And it says, quick, no time to explain. Jump on the squirrel. And that's what we do. That's what we do is, you know, there's a lot of times where we just pull up in a golf cart or a, or a ranger in this case. And we'll just show up and say, jump on the squirrel. We got to go. And, and we'll get going. That's for sure. So was there anything weird that happened at LifeFest? Any weird stuff as part of stage management crew from your end? We did have a lot of weird things because as per usual, it rained before the yeah. festival. It was pretty bad too. Like yeah. downpour, like torrential downpour. Thank goodness it was only for one day that we had just rain coming down. Honestly, it looked like the rain was coming down, but then the wind was blowing so hard, it was like waves going across the pavement. It was Yes. It was oh pretty rough. Oh my gosh. It was really cool and terrifying at the same time. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. So, this rain caused a few problems in the setup part of it. <laughs> So, we have a stage that is called The Pit. So, even though it was under a tent, it's basically just a gravel floor with seats and stage. We had to unload a trailer on the muddy gravel where there was water everywhere. Yeah, because it was pouring so bad coming down that even though the tent was up... The water just kept draining into that area. So, I mean, essentially you were in about an inch of water everywhere you went, unless you were on the stage. Yep. And even on the stage, because everybody wanted to get on the stage, it was wet on the stage too. Yeah, so this is just set up. So it was kind of like surfing with the subs and getting things put in its place. And yeah, that's true. Actually, I felt very fortunate. Something very weird, in my opinion, was this year... I had a ranger, and the ranger had doors, which I've never had such a nice vehicle to ride around in during the event for. And then to have the doors as well made it to where not only was I dry, but I also had a heater in there. I was pretty lucky, and that was weird. Yeah, it was also 60 degrees, because it's Wisconsin, and even though it's summer, it's Wisconsin. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I remember I was at Pitt and you pulled up in the, what was your nickname for it at the beginning? I referred to it as the Fun V. Oh yeah, that's right. You said that you were calling it the Fun V and the night before we had watched a movie with a tank in it. Yeah. And that just popped into my head like, oh, it's the tank. Yeah. So for the rest of the festival, we called one of the two rangers on the festival grounds that had doors, the tank. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And you know what? It was a blessing to be able to have that for sure, especially during that time. But by the end of the festival, I was like, man, these doors have got to go. Like, it is so hot. And so luckily, like a Jeep, they just popped right off. Yes. It was it was fun having the tank. Yeah. So. If that's the case that, you know, you had to set up stuff in the mud and that was kind of weird and we had the tank and that was kind of weird. There had to have been some other things that was pretty cool. Maybe some new skills you learned. So being a part of stage management crew, 
we gave you a few more responsibilities this year at, at LifeFest. So tell me, did you learn any new skills? I learned a lot of new skills because now I was old enough to actually be trusted with some of the more responsibility type items. So I got to hang up and wire the lights at the cafe stage. Yeah, and so for people that don't know what the cafe stage is, is it's one of the larger venues. So we have the grandstand. The main stage can hold 30, 40,000 people in it. We've got the edge stage, which is kind of the second main stage, but it usually has the harder acts added. You'll see the bigger ones, Spoken, Disciple, you know, some of the bigger ones. And that one can hold up to like 15,000 people inside that area. Then the next biggest one is Cafe. And Cafe is really designed for more of the artists that are maybe electric, but it's a lighter rock. Maybe they're acoustic and it's more worshipy. Maybe it's a magician or a impromptu whose line is it anyway type thing we have happy fun time there maybe it'll also have a speaker so this is that kind of stage but it's huge it has a video wall it can probably fit a thousand underneath the tent but with spillover it can definitely hold more it's got a big old led wall on the back with lighting then there's a front truss that has more lighting and the speakers on it And then there's another truss out by where the soundboard is that has lighting on it. So this is a a pretty intricate stage, and you got to help set up lights. And anything else? I actually got to help program lights. Ooh. So Max, our lighting guy for Cafe. Which, by the way, Max Brown... Shout out to that guy is one of the greatest lighting guys I have ever met. And I've met quite a few. And Max, he can put on an amazing show in the daytime with lights. Yes, he can. And also, what a beard. What a beard. I mean, seriously. So he's a redhead. And so he has this big old bushy red beard that goes about halfway down his torso. Gosh, he's, he's a lumberjack in black. I don't know. It's pretty cool. Every time I see him, I go, can I touch it? Yeah. I just want to touch it. Be careful. I'm pretty sure there's barbed wire in there. (laughs) (laughs) There's (laughs) like like Chuck Norris. There's another fist. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's it's pretty nuts. (laughs) That was amazing. So, yeah, Max Brown is awesome. Actually, everyone at that stage is pretty awesome. We had Todd Barron's run the sound this year, which usually we have Aaron Percy doing it, and he's great at what he does. And we have Josh Greep, who is doing monitors and, and helping kind of run the side stage, and he's amazing. It, it's really a great crew over there. Yeah, the entirety of Cafe, it's just everybody does what they do. Yeah, and so you got to help program some of those lights. That's a pretty cool new skill. Yep. It was it was fun to learn it. So you got to program lights. You got to set up a sound system in the mud. You got to ride in the tank. 
But did you see any cool bands? Were there any cool bands that you got to deal with or got to see or experience the show at Life Fest Wisconsin? Yes. Just yes. There were a lot. It's hard to go to Life Fest and not see a cool band. Because there's so many bands out there. There's something for everybody. Oh, yeah. And my thing, as many of you probably understand, is the Newsboys. Yeah. Newsboys have been around for years. I mean, I remember watching them when I was a kid in the 90s, early 2000s. That was back when you had Peter as the actual front man, and they had a bass player, Phil Joel. And they had their guitar player, Jody, and they had their uh, their keyboard player, Frankenstein. They, we also have uh, the, the drummer, Duncan. And they were all playing. And then, of course, Phil went away to go do his thing. And then Jody, he had to go away to do his thing. And then Jody came back. And then Peter left. And we ended up with Tate from DC Talk, which is pretty awesome. And they've kind of been that band for a long time. Yeah. And this year was something special because they decided to become Newsboys United. United. And that is definitely cool because Phil came back to play bass. Peter came back to sing, but you also had Tate. So they did a set with Tate and then they did a set with Peter and then they united them both. It was it was pretty awesome. And actually, there was one funny thing that I got to hear during the Newsboys concert, which was Phil Joel's story of getting to Life Fest. Yeah, so Phil's the bass player. Phil is the bass player. You know, for those that need the imagery who don't know who he is, he's kind of this like average height, but really lanky. With long flowing blonde hair, like curly, yeah. I mean, he really looks like um, Brave from the Disney movie, <laughs> yes, yeah, except blonde, except blonde instead of red, yeah. yeah. And man, oh my gosh, yeah. he's fun to watch too. He's so fun. I can tell you right now, he was pumped to yeah. get back on that stage, yeah, because when he got out there, he was moving he was all over the stage rocking out and when the others came on the stage too everybody was ready to go out there including tate and duncan because of the pandemic they haven't been able to be out there in 15 months yeah so when michael tate got out there he was moving he was he was ready oh yeah they were having a great time now We didn't finish our thought here. Phil Joel, tell me about this funny, weird thing that happened to Phil Joel on his way to getting to the festival. So Phil Joel gets off the plane and gets a car. He's driving, just trying to get to Life Fest, and then his car breaks down. So you're already thinking, oh no, this is not going to be good. Oh yeah, well we have to have the bass player. How can you have Newsboys United... Without without Phil, Phil Joel, Joel. there then that's that's more like Newsboys disjointed. Yeah, that's baseless Newsboys. Yes, and they have to have a base. Yes, so Phil Joel he goes to this place that makes chicken down the road, and the butcher says, "You don't look like you're around here. 
because he's got the wavy blonde hair. Oh, yeah. And he, and he has an accent like he's from New Zealand because he is. Yep. And sorry, everybody. I'm so sorry. <laughs> he likes to do that. Don't tell people that. Anyway, go on. Uh, so the butcher says, you don't look like you're from around here. Phil Joel says, yeah, I'm just trying to get to Lifefest. That was better than my impression, by the way. Yep. Of course it was. Yeah. The Padawan has become the master. Ooh, nice. So the butcher takes off his apron and says, all right, get in the car. And in my mind, I'm thinking, why would Phil Joel yeah. get in the car of a butcher that he doesn't even know? Yeah. That's sketchy. He just got in the car and he ended up getting to life as he was there in plenty of time. Yeah, that was pretty funny. I remember listening to him talk about that. And I was just like, oh my gosh, that is nuts. I mean, that's Wisconsin for you. Why not? Yep. Yeah. Well, what other bands did you get to see? I got to see Crowder. Oh, Crowder was great. Oh my gosh. He ceases to disappoint. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is that his guitar player on stage right, he was wearing an Oakland A's hat. He actually played for Matthew West the night before. Yes, he did. Which is pretty cool. That was actually his first concert with Matthew West. And then he played with Crowder the next night, which is actually the band he's been with for a while. And that was kind of fun because you don't get to see that very often. But really, it's been said a bunch of times. John, the the festival director of Life Fest, said it. And I know that Jason has said it when he's talked about Nashville and all that is that the music circle is actually relatively small. And you think that this community is huge because there's music everywhere and all that. But the ones who play the big stuff, it's actually kind of a small little network, if you will. Really what it is, is that you've essentially got a network of people and it's word of mouth. Man, I had a great experience with Owen playing guitar. Man, I had a great experience with Dr. T playing guitar. Oh, I had this great experience with John doing drums. I had this great experience with Thomas or Jeremy playing bass. And it's one of those things that when all of a sudden they need a bass player, they go, so I hear you got some chops when you need a guitar player. Oh, so I hear you know how to do this, you know, and all of a sudden it makes it easier to get another gig. So what other bands did you end up seeing that you liked? I got to see Matthew West, which was good. Man, he did great. He he played his uh, YouTube hit, which was Quarantine Life. Oh my gosh. And everyone sang it back to him. That was pretty awesome. It was the best. Matthew West, I'm going to be honest, I had not really followed Matthew West before that. Like, I didn't quite know who he was. He's good with the crowd. He's good with everybody. I'll be the first one to tell you. If a person is rude and a jerk offstage, I will tell you. But all of these artists we've talked about and all the artists we may end up talking about, they're just as sincere on stage as they were offstage. And Crowder was great on and off. Matt Marr was great on and off. Oh my gosh, Matt Marr? Oh yeah. Beautiful. Loved it. Oh, yeah. Matthew West, as good on as he was off. Uh, The Newsboys, all of them, as good on as they were off. And they're they're quality people. And it's it's an honor to be able to serve with them and 
for them sometimes. Yeah. So who else did you get to see? You got to see Skillet. I got to see Skillet. Skillet was possibly one of the loudest guitars I've ever experienced. Fiery as ever. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Zach Williams, his guitar player, was pretty cool. I got to see... Well, I talk about the guitar players largely because... You're you know, a guitar player. Yeah, I'm a guitar player. But also, it was kind of interesting. When you do a lot of stuff from side stage, backstage, moving things around, you get to hear the tone coming off of the amps. And there was no tone that disappointed. He's really cool backstage. You can really see what really happens. Like, yeah. it's so cool. Because you get to hear the tone and you get to hear what's really happening. And then you get to see the stuff that makes all of it work. Well, yeah. And actually, even the facial expressions, you know, when they turn their head from the crowd to look at somebody to say something, you get to see what that emotion is. Because when they're facing the crowd, there's an emotion. And then when they turn around, there might be a different one. And it is super cool. I love being side stage. I I love love it. being side stage. Now, with Crowder, it was a little disappointing only because... All of the guitars, fiddles, bass, really anything that wasn't drums was going through a Kemper. So, yeah, that's you didn't really have a stage volume. You couldn't really hear those tones as well because you're behind the main speakers. But, you know, honestly, you still could hear it. You could still get a good gist of it. Yeah. Actually, the guitar player, the one who was wearing the the Lakers jersey, who also played the, the fiddle. He was great to watch. He had great tone. Yeah. I didn't hear a single mistake. Like, he did awesome. He did really well. And actually, the cool part was, after the performance, I got to help him pack up his stuff. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that is cool. Actually, on Grandstand, on the main stage, whenever I'm there to help do the changeover between the the two different artists, a lot of times my job and my responsibility is the guitars, the pedal boards, like the things that are on platforms like drums and sometimes keyboards and sometimes auxiliary percussion and stuff like that. We got stagehands that deal with that. But the stuff that just kind of sits there, they usually give that to me because I know how to take those things off stage without dropping a 70s Les Paul on the ground. Yeah, I, I understand how this stuff is supposed to be carried. And it was him, actually. There was a few things that he left out there, and I grabbed them, put them off to the side, and he was talking to somebody, and I just said, hey, it's over there. You know, and he was like, oh, crud, I forgot all about it. You know, so that was pretty cool. All right, well, we should probably move on a little bit, and you kind of started to hit a few things. What about highlights? Do you have any highlights from this festival? Yes, I have a few highlights from during the festival and before the festival. Hold on. Before the festival? Like, before the festival, all we really do is we organize stuff, we load a trailer, we dump stuff out of the trailer, we set everything up. Exactly. You actually have highlights from that. Yes. Okay. So, me, Dad, and my younger brother all jumped in the F-250 and took the trailer down to the office and unloaded all that stuff. Then it starts blitzing rain. Yeah. Like, if you went in the trailer, you went deaf because of how hard the rain was coming down. 
Yeah, this was all a part of that day where we were setting up and it was like pouring down rain and then it like took some time off and then it poured down rain some more later that afternoon and yeah. I remember looking at the radar and it was like the entire Midwest was in one giant storm. (laughs) Yeah. So what made that a highlight? What made it a highlight was just the fun of loading a trailer with my dad and my brother like yeah that's just that's cool because you just do it yeah it really is is jump on the squirrel right yep and and i will say that his brother my son he's nine and he was a trooper like he was really awesome this year doing this he was good he's meant for this for sure and we were unloading stuff and he was unloading stuff and you were unloading stuff and We're getting all these things out, and we had to bring stuff back, as well as some extra sound equipment. I mean, we've got a popcorn machine. We've got a decorative table. We also have bins and bins of random papers and pencils. But yet, at the same time, we also have light trussing. I mean, we had stuff that went everywhere and we had to put it all in this trailer and get it loaded in so we unloaded a trailer loaded the trailer got everything good to go and then in the pouring rain got back down there and of course it was still raining when we got there yeah and we unloaded a bunch of things and then some of it we were just like forget it i'm not unloading this anymore well that probably brings us to the last little thing that we should talk about which is what are you most looking forward to for our next Life Fest, because we actually leave in about a week to go to Life Fest Music City, Tennessee. Yep, we do. And I am excited to see what happens. Like, will it be the same as Wisconsin Life Fest? Yeah, because we've never done this before. This is nope, new. This is our first year. And it's going to be interesting because I don't know what to expect. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. I'm excited to see a few of the same bands. I am excited to see how many people come because it is a new thing. So I'm excited to see that. And it's probably going to be a tad bit easier because it's a smaller area and not quite as many stages. Yep. But... There's still a lot of artists coming. We've got Matthew West coming out. We've got Skillet again. We have Newsboys United. But we also get Michael W. Smith, who has been around forever in the Christian industry. Yeah. And so that'll be kind of fun to see him because I haven't seen him do a festival in I don't know how long. Like he just didn't do them for a long time because he didn't have to. Yeah. And so that's pretty cool. I'm also excited. For seeing the Johnny Cash Hideaway Farm. Yes, it's going to be really fun because it's Johnny Cash's farm. Oh, I know. I know. Like, who doesn't want to go to Johnny Cash's farm? Yeah, it's pretty cool. And actually, to that extent, we get to see a secular artist in Joe Nichols playing, who is a country artist. And, you know, that's going to be pretty fun, too. So I'm glad that you get to be a part of this. I'm glad that I get to be a part of this. And one other cool thing that I'm excited for is we get to actually stay in a tour bus this time instead of 
grandma and grandpa's RV. And that's pretty fun, too. It's going to be so fun. Yeah, I'm really excited. I've never been inside of a tour bus, and I am looking forward to it. You know what we should do? Let's do this. Let's go out a day early, and let's go see some of Nashville. And when I say see some of Nashville, I mean let's go to the guitar shops. Yes! All right, let's do that. Yep, that's that's going to be fun. I am excited to see Gibson Garage. And oh, yeah, that's a good idea. You want to go to Gruen's? Yes. All right, we'll do Gruen's, yep. uh, Vintage. Carter Vintage. Yep, Carter Vintage. Okay, all this right. This is going to be so fun. Then it's a plan. Let's do this. Well, that concludes our time of the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy Session. If you like what you heard, leave five stars in a review. Also, don't forget to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Tweed Couch. Until next time. <laughs>